Guys, welcome back to the Three Bagger Podcast. This is going to be our fifth episode. I'm here with my co-host Nick Frieri. Nick, how are you doing today? Doing all right, Evan. You know, a little sad that my fantasy season ended by me losing less than uh, one point this week. But you know, <laughs> I'm uh, I'm happy to be recording with you and uh, hoping to focus more on baseball than uh, football today. So you know, I'm looking forward to that and uh, seeing what's on the table and. Uh, especially with the uh, seeing what the San Diego Padres did Evan. It's kind of crazy what they did. Oh man. I mean, I'm going to losing by less than a point in fantasy football. That's just like yeah. moralizing. Especially, that was the championship round too. Yeah. It was, it was a third place game. It was a money league, especially oh. when you, we have like guys on your bench who, like I said, I had Aaron Rodgers on my bench. Uh, I'm trying to think who else I had on my bench. I was like, it's, it's honestly crazy here. Like I have Brandon cooks. He had a monster game for the Texans too. Just looking at that too. The, the thing that may be the most mad, though, is I Josh Jacobs, right? Big Raider fan out here. Yeah, oh, yeah. How the Raiders lost that game when, obviously, you hope they can play 19 seconds of defense. But the fact is, Josh Jacobs stopped at the one-yard line. He could have scored a touchdown on, <laughs> on the fourth quarter, and that would have gave me the win. So, right there is probably my oh biggest right. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, so, it's Josh not even that you didn't play the right guys on the bench. The one guy that you did play that could have won you the game. Stopped at the one-yard like, line. Nah, I'm not scoring. <laughs> Yeah, stopped at the one yard line. Yep, that's that's that's, my, that's that, demoralizing. That's my that's my gripe for this week. But um, you know, got got to put that in the past and got to move on here. I guess so. Yeah, I'm actually um in a championship myself too. My um, oh, nice. my uh, commissioner did not um have the championship for last week for whatever the reason. Um, so I'm in this week. I'm playing Roethlisberger and Kelsey. They're both out though. So oh. hopefully that yeah. works to my advantage. I was six and eight coming into it. So we'll yeah. see, we'll see what happens, but for yeah. now we're going to um, move on and go talk about the San Diego Padres. More like the uh, snail Diego Padres right now though. Uh, yeah. The slam Diego snail Padres, I suppose. Yep. I mean, they're, they're really gearing up. Uh, if I was a Dodger fan, I'd be a little bit worried. Definitely. I mean, obviously, look at that. You're able to add two uh, legit aces with both you, Darvish, and and Snell. I mean, one thing would be to watch for Snell is uh, with the Rays this year, he didn't really go longer than six innings. So yep. that'd be something interesting to watch. Another thing interesting to watch with this trade is hopefully it won't be a Chris Archer type situation where he went to the Pirates and just flamed out. Yeah, the Padres will not be hoping for that. So that'd be interesting to watch. Um, what do you think of the haul? Do you think the uh, Rays were able to get some good value for uh, what they trade away for Snell? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, the Rays, honestly, to me, are wizards. I mean, most other teams would not trade a 28-year-old Blake Snell like, with the track record that he has. And I think it was the perfect time for them, too, because if you wait another year or two and he has, you know, one or two years left on his contract, you're not getting Luis Patino. Luis Patino has been a top pitching prospect, I mean, in this league for a couple of years now. And I know his debut with the Padres last year didn't go, like, amazing, but the guy's still, you know, in his early twenties. And I mean, that's going to be a great pickup for the Rays, especially with what they do with pitchers and their player development. I mean, Patino is going to be a horse for the next five years. And as a Yankee fan, you just don't like to see that. I mean, I rather would have dealt with Snell for, you know, another two years, three years uh, getting into his thirties, as opposed to, you know, now having Patino for at least another five. So great move for the Rays. 
uh, it really benefited both teams. Uh, yeah, any more thoughts? Yeah, just uh, one more thing here, Evan. Um, just kind of looking at it, the Rays, they kind of lose a lot of pitchers in the offseason so far. They just traded away Snell. They lost um, Morden a little bit earlier this offseason. Kind of how do you see that um, rotation kind of rebuilding now, losing kind of your top two guys? I mean, with the way they traded, I think they're fine. I mean, you're still going to have Glasnow up there. He's going to be the ace at this point. Um, I think they throw Luis Patino right into the mix and have him as like maybe the three. And I think you fill in with, you know, Ryan Yarbrough, who they've had and has been solid for a while. You're going to have Yanni Chirinos coming out of uh, Tommy John surgery halfway through the year. And knowing the Rays, you know, they'll either sign a really low cost pitcher or they'll bring somebody up from the minors who we just had no clue was there. And he'll, you know, go and pitch to a sub three ERA. Definitely, especially with the uh, raised bullpen. They only really need to start as they go five innings. Then they'll kind of manipulate the bullpen how they did usually. Usually it works out for them. It didn't work out for them in the World Series, but <laughs> using the regular season, it does work out for them doing the go pitcher goes five innings and then bringing in their uh, pretty good bullpen out here. Yeah, I mean, they'll they'll be A-OK. I don't think they will be as good as last year, definitely. and I think that the Yankees will definitely um, – even if they re-sign DJ LeMahieu, the Yankees should be the top team, but the Rays will by no means go away. They'll just be a little bit less scary because obviously you don't have Snell and Morton anymore. You're going to just have Glass now and then Patino with, you know, limited postseason experience. Um, but for the future, the Rays organization definitely looks good. I mean, like I said, not many other organizations are going to go out and trade, you know, their bonafide ace, yeah, Blake Snell. Definitely. So that that's crazy. What about the um, Cubs side of it? What did you uh, see in the U Darvish trade? Interesting to see who they got. They got a pitcher in uh, Zach Davies. If you look at Davies, he actually had a pretty uh, it's like a pretty solid year for the uh, Padres last year. He went up seven and four, uh, two seven three ERA in the sixty game season. So that's a pretty solid. It'll be interesting if, how they'll translate back to the National League. He did pitch a while for the uh, for the Brewers. He, he had pretty solid numbers there. So. Um, it is kind of been an upgrade for the Padres, though. While Davies is a pretty good, decent pitcher, obviously someone who can slide him pretty well to a two-three spot. You Darvish is is an ace. Um, he really did show that last year, kind of the season he did have for the Cubs, and they're able to. And also, you Darvish is able to bring along his uh, personal catcher too, so that's only going to help with the chemistry going forward. Uh, one thing definitely to watch here for the. Uh, for the Cubs to see how those prospects develop, the players they got, they're pretty young. So it's going to be a while before we see them. And for the Padres, the one thing I'm watching is the contract going forward and how that salary is going to balloon. Is that you're, you're going to be adding you Darvish's salary, not only to Manny Machado's, but there's a couple other players that's just going to keep on um, elevating, elevating the uh, Padres salary going forward, especially when they have to pay Tatis in a couple of years. So that's something I'm definitely going to watch going forward here, Evan. Yeah, definitely. The prospects are really young. So like you said, it'll take a little bit to kind of see their impact on the Cubs. And at this point, I mean, you're looking at the Cubs roster, Chris Bryant's a free agent next year. I'm pretty sure Javier Baez is a free agent next year or the year after. And along with Rizzo, I think these guys are blowing it up at this point. I mean, they're going to retool and try to get prospects in order to, you know, come back strong in a couple of years. But I think getting rid of Caratini and Darvish for those young guys is just the beginning of this teardown for the Cubs. So it was very interesting. I mean, getting Zach Davies back, it's really only going to be, you know, just to eat innings pretty much. They just need a major league guy that has proven he can at least stay healthy and throw some innings. So 
Um, it's going to be pretty interesting to see kind of how that shakes out. And like you said, the salaries with San Diego, they're going to have to really manage that going forward with, you know, keeping Tatis in mind. So, and a lot of those other young guys, um, I think uh, for the Dodgers, this causes I, not a panic, but they have some real competition in that division. Now you look at all the other teams in that division, like the Giants, um, who else is in the, yeah. NL? the Rockies, Rockies, D-backs, all, all those teams are kind of in the rebuilding, kind of yeah. retooling. We, we, like, we know the D-backs spent some money last offseason when they got Bumgarner, but after watching them this season, they're really not in the good, a good spot to compete. Rockies, they do have a couple stars like Charlie Blackman, but they aren't really in a good spot to compete. The Giants, like, they kind of, they kind of surprised us last year, but they definitely need a couple more players to come up. Hopefully, Bart can be more consistent um, going forward here. Kind of, they really develop into that future catcher role. They really hope he can be so. But, but, but for probably for for this uh, foreseeable future, it's going to be uh, San Diego versus LA in this division. That's going to be kind of an interesting matchup to see. While the Dodgers still may have the better team and a better talent, the the gap is a lot smaller than it used to be. Like, it's it's going to be it's going to be a fun watch definitely next year. I don't even know if I'd, I wouldn't argue there's any gap, honestly. I think the Padres are just as good as them at this point. I mean, they don't have the only gap that there is, in my opinion, is the playoff experience that the players on each team has. Because the Padres yeah. have that little from last year. And obviously, the Dodgers have gone and won a World Series. And you have, you still have Clayton Kershaw and a lot of those guys, like they've all been in the postseason and in the World Series for a good amount of time. So. I would argue that the only gap, the gap isn't in talent, it's in experience. Yeah, like I, I definitely agree with that gap. It's just a matter of how much does experience really weigh on for these young players going forward. Well, they may win a lot of games in the regular season. How will they translate that to the playoffs? We saw that this year, like in the playoffs, they really kind of they struggled a little bit when they got to when they got to those crucial games in the playoffs, they, they kind of did struggle. Obviously, it's their first year going to the playoffs in a while. So it'll be interesting to see going forward. Will these teams match up again in the playoffs? That'll be a fun series if you see them in either the NLDS or the NLCS, seeing these teams going back and forth for a seven-game series. It's, it's, it's going to be good for the sport of baseball and to be cool looking forward. Kind of a, one question I want to pose you here for Evan. Does this force the Dodgers maybe try to like go sign a free agent? Maybe Trevor Bauer, would, do you think they could try to – really force their name into the Trevor uh, Bauer conversation? I honestly don't think so. I, I think their front office right now should kind of be like, okay, like you guys got him. I, we believe in our guys. I mean, I don't think they should really go out and um, push the payroll to try and sign another difference maker. Cause they already have everything they need. And they proved it last year with winning the world series. Cause they're going to have a lot of guys come up for contract um, in the next couple of years, like Bellinger at like, and Walker Bueller, like you want to hang on to those guys, your superstars you have that have done it. And then not to mention, obviously the contract they signed Mookie Betts to this season. Um, I'm going to bounce off of that as well and say, do you think that this accelerates the trade market for Nolan Arenado and for the Rockies to get what they can out of him? Because they're clearly not winning the division yeah. in the next, you know, couple of years. It's possibly, but if you're the Rockies, you try to hold on to uh, Nolan Arenado as Arenado is a top five player probably the best third baseman in the sport of baseball. Like unless you're getting like a couple top 10 prospects of a team in return, you have to hold on to him just from his market value and what he brings. Obviously you're like you said, they're not going to be competing, but you, you can't just flip them for you. You can't panic. You, you have to see where you can get, where are the offers. If you're, if you're the Rockies, the smart move would be try to try to trade them to an, to an AL team. So you don't have to see them. 
but it's going to be something to watch. Um, I know there's a couple other players that, especially in the trade market going forward, hopefully these moves of the Padres will actually start to accelerate the free agency market. Hopefully we'll start to see some more names go out of here in the new year, maybe some early January. So we're not waiting until spring training when the big names fall. So hope, hopefully we can thank the Padres that they really got the offseason started. Yeah, definitely. Um, Lindor, that's going to be one of the that's big dominoes big to fall. So we'll wait and see when that happens. So that's going to bring us to the second segment of our episode. Uh, we have an interview with Josh Yoon, uh, one of Nick's buddies from school. Uh, he worked in the MLB replay department. So we're going to shoot you over to that interview now. Welcome back to the Three Bagger Podcast. We're here with actually our first interview guest, uh, Josh Yoon, a, a current cohort mate of me, um, of mine at the uh, University of San Francisco. I'm excited to have you on, uh, Josh, and uh, glad you're here. Nick, Evan, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, we'll get straight into questions. Uh, Evan, do you want to start out here? Um, yeah, so really quick, actually, let's just have Josh um, give a little background on like your career and what you've done so far, just since you know going to school or even before that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, well, first of all, again, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to this a lot. Um, kind of as Nick alluded to, I'm currently a graduate student at the University of San Francisco in their sport management program. Um, went to UC Berkeley for my undergrad, majored in math and public policy. Um, I've always been a sports junkie, so this is kind of you know where I want to be in my career per se. And um, working in baseball as a whole has always been a, a lifelong goal of mine. Now, replay operations as a whole, as we'll kind of get into, isn't exactly what I had in mind, but it's been it's been a lot of fun so far. Um, I'm an instant replay operator for Major League Baseball um, in the San Francisco office. So they obviously have a, a New York office, which is like the, the primary replay operation center. Um, but for the purposes of this past season, I was based in the West Coast and they've got a pretty cool team out here and it's been a really good experience. Um, I'll kind of dive into the, the logistics and the details about that. Um, that's kind of what I'm up to right now and a little bit about myself. Awesome. All right, now, Nick, I'll kick it to you to start off our questions here. Yeah, cool. Very cool. So um, can you talk a little bit about uh, why you want to uh, pursue a, a career in sports? Can you talked touch a little bit upon like your undergrad. If you hear what you majored in, people like really math, like you, you want you want to do sports now, like people really think of that. So can you kind of talk about why sports you want to do this. You want to work the long nights, long hours, the weekends, the holidays that come with the job. But kind of tell us about that. Tell us about that, Josh. Yeah, I think Nick, you can attest to this, you know, wanting to work in sports, whether it's in whatever, like, really whatever field you want to work in sports, you got to expect, as you kind of alluded to, the long hours, the untraditional days, all that stuff. So, you know, my, I think just like everybody else who wants to work in sports, this has always been like a lifelong goal. I didn't really grasp how realistic this was going to be. And so probably when I was in college, honestly, um, I always, I always wanted to do it. And, and I, I studied math and public policy, to be honest, because uh, one, I, I like, I love numbers and stuff, but also just kind of keeping in mind, like, I thought math as a whole, having that background, having that structure, you can go in a variety of different fields. So if sports doesn't work out, you know, I can go pursue finance, econ, whatever it is. So, you know, having the math background was interesting. And then once I realized that you can, I probably realized it too late, to be honest, you can apply math to sports in so many different ways. I was just like all in on this. So obviously sports analytics is a growing field and, and data science, whether you're in sports or not, is, is a huge industry. But um, as a whole, my, my primary goal is to pursue and, and combine basically what I love, which is math and sports. And whether that's in baseball operations, which is like the number one priority, if, if, if it's a possibility, it's kind of what I'm going for right now is um, if there are any teams out there looking to hire for, for next season, uh, hit me up. But as a whole, I think, I think keeping my options open, you don't want to limit yourself at this point in your career when you're this young, um, being able to work in other business analytics would be a, a great opportunity as well. So 
really just kind of getting my foot in the door. I think we're all, you know, at this age and, and being in the grad program right now, it's really an opportunity to grow just as a leader and as a person. And when it comes to the sport industry, I think it gives you a good perspective about the number of different possibilities that there are. Now we may have, as you know, as, as Nick can attest to, we have a game plan for ourselves, but I think having an open mind, being able to try out these new things, like the replay operations job, because you know, in sports, it's not necessarily what you do, the skills you have, but who you know, right? Because once you're able to connect with certain folks, you can you can kind of find your niche or wherever it is that you you really want to go pursue. So I guess it's the two-minute version of of kind of what my goals are, why I want to work in sports and um, where I'm at today. Awesome. All right. So uh, second question. How did you come across um, this internship and like just how did you find it and get into it? Yeah, absolutely. So when I was a senior at Cal, I wanted to, I was just looking for, you know, full-time internships, like whatever it really was for the upcoming year. Um, obviously, baseball season starts in March, April. Now, we had a different season this year for, for obvious reasons. Um, but as a whole, I was looking for opportunities in baseball, preferably in the Bay Area, because I knew I wanted to, you know, attend the USF program or maybe an online grad program. Um, but I came across it in probably January, February. So I think, you know, throughout the winter, most teams and obviously the league office are hiring for the upcoming season during that time. So pretty much this time right now, actually, I know it's December 31, 2020, when this is being recorded. Um, the winter is the time when, when folks are hiring. So sending out my resume cover letter to a variety of things. And when I saw this, this internship, it, it was supposed to be an internship slash part-time. Um, it was kind of a flexible role. And I was really intrigued by the possibility because one, it was in the San Francisco Bay area and two, it was kind of like an open broad base where it'll combine digital media, data science, um, being able to work for that office would, would be fantastic. So got an email to interview in probably mid-February with my boss, JJ, who is the senior replay supervisor. And if you guys, you know, have it, you know, you guys probably know a little bit about instant replay in sports, but with baseball, it's only been in, implemented for about four or five years, actually, well, I guess five years now since 2015, 2014, 2015. So it's relatively new in that office as a whole, because they have the office in New York, you say, well, why is there an office in San Francisco? It's kind of a mix between day-to-day -day operations and then like a research-based based team. So I thought I was joining a research-based team, um, can get a lot of skills. And as I said, meet a lot of really cool people. Um, and when I ended my interview in person, pretty much right before everything shut down, got the offer, I think like the last week of February. So that was really exciting. I was like, this is fantastic. I got my like USF acceptance a week later. It was awesome. Then obviously the world crashed and burned and now we are where we are. Um, so it, I think that's kind of how it came to about. It was just kind of me, you know, you know, spreading myself thin, looking for opportunities throughout baseball. And it just, it was fortunate enough. And, and I can kind of go into the details about how the season went a little bit later, but that was kind of how I got the opportunity, how I came across it and kind of how the season, you know, how I got the position. That's a pretty big stretch of, you know, things going well and then COVID just coming <laughs> in and just knocking them all over. Yeah, I'll, I'll go here with the next question here, Josh. Like, you kind of touched on a little bit, but can you kind of go in more into what the role actually entailed with the replay office? What was kind of your day-to-day -day or what were you tasked with specifically? Sure. So I can talk about, I guess, the timeline leading to that. Um, obviously, baseball season was canceled in March, and the main goal was for us to do the replay operator role in person in the office starting in late March as, you know, when opening day is. Um, and that was the original plan. Baseball season, as we know, got postponed for a few months. There was, you know, some disputes between the owners' association and, and the players' association. Um, obviously, with with COVID, it was it was you know a lot of things to consider. So, when the season finally got rolled around in July, I'd actually been furloughed in May. I didn't even start like taking an hour, and they basically <laughs> furloughed the whole staff. Um, so that was that was lovely. Um, but once we got started in July, I got the call that said, "Hey, you know, baseball season's going to happen." Um, I think early July we found that out. Um, right around the same time that I started grad school. So there was just a lot going on at the time. 
Um, and they basically said, hey, we're going to try and bring you guys back. Obviously, we can't be in person. We can't do like the role that was originally envisioned, but we're going to try and adjust this year. Um, I said, yeah, I, I'd still love to do that. Obviously, I'm still interested. And the, the role itself became more of a digital media role than a data science role. So during the actual games, we would take these big shifts, right? Eight hour shifts, eight and a half hour shifts um, based off of like whenever the games are being played. So obviously Sunday is mostly day games, but throughout the week, it's a lot of night games, at least from the perspective of the West Coast. The, beauty, the beautiful thing about the West Coast versus the East Coast, I think you guys went out to school in Tampa, right? Yep. You can't watch the yep. Giants at 1030 at night, right? Nope. And then it goes to 1 a.m., whatever, right? It's yeah. nice to have the West Coast team right out here and, and it's a little bit more reasonable. So um, the shifts, we would just take eight, eight and a half hour shifts and we were actually be on the same Zoom call as the New York staff. Um, with the ins and outs of, of, of the job are a little bit like tough to describe because I can go on and on about it. But the main gist of it is you're taking these big shifts, you're communicating with the New York staff. Um, you get like a 30 minute break at some point for your dinner break or whatever. Um, and as a whole, you're always busy. I mean, once, especially this year with all the double headers and like just the rescheduled games, it was kind of chaos, right? You're always doing something. So even if a replay isn't happening in a specific game in this city or whatever, you're still getting ready to like cut clips um, throughout this, this bot called Sporty Bot. Um, so we had a variety of different roles as a whole, mostly with video and just sending out Slack alerts to different teams in the press boxes, you know, confirmed stands. Uh, safe out, all this sort of things that happen with replay. Um, I think the main goal as a whole is just to be as efficient as possible. Um, I think, and I can touch on this a little bit later, baseball as a whole kind of has a stigma of slow moving and replay doesn't really help that. So the biggest thing for us is to be as quick as possible, as efficient as possible, obviously get things right. Um, and we're in communication pretty much nonstop for that entire shift. Um, obviously there'll be some days where there's only the Sunday night game on and you're just kind of watching the game and getting paid, which is pretty cool. Um, there are other days where it's just absolute chaos. So the shifts as a whole, they're a lot of fun, but they also, you're not just sitting on your hands in, for the entire time. Awesome. So uh, next question, what has been like your toughest call or what was the toughest call that kind of happened when you were on, you know, shift? Yeah, I think there's a couple that stand out in particular. The biggest ones as a whole, I think, the most common calls that you guys see maybe from a fan's perspective are obviously like the out safe at first base. Um, when somebody steals second base, you know, the, you know, the runner says I'm safe. The fielder says they're out and they both point to their dugouts, like, like, like <laughs> challenge out or whatever that, right. Um, and obviously there's like, there's a whole percentage game. Like you want to really spend your challenge in the first or second inning. Um, obviously the, the most precious ones are eighth, ninth inning game on the line play at the plate. Um, plays at the plate and in the field are a little bit interesting. Stadium boundary ones are a little bit tough. Um, I know it kind of, you know, when they go on the headset, right? And from yeah. a fan's perspective, it's like, oh, why are they taking so long? It's, it's pretty obvious. Um, the thing about baseball that's different from, like, say, basketball and football replays is the basketball and, and football, you're actually going to, like, a monitor and you're watching the play. With baseball, you're putting on a headset and you're actually communicating with a different umpire in New York who's also talking to a replay administrator who is on the basically the line with all the replay admins and the replay operators, which, are, which is myself and my the other team, teammates that I have. Um, so you're not actually looking at like the actual play you're in communication for sometimes like, like you have to really explain the replay admin up in New York has to explain to the replay crew chief on the field. Okay, if they come out and like dispute this later, here's how you answer it. This is what we saw. This is what camera angle we're looking at all that stuff. That's kind of why it takes a little bit longer. And there's also, this is kind of unclear. I didn't really realize this until I was in this role for plays the plate and sometimes plays in the field, you can actually do a double review using just one challenge. So let's say there's a play at the plate, right? Pretty customary tag. Okay, is he safe out? That's the one call. The second replay with the double review is catcher's interference usually. 
And so you have to go through the, a variety of different things where you look at, okay, is there catcher's interference? Okay, there's not, is he safer out, right? So sometimes it takes a little bit longer for those things. So I think to answer your question, it's gotta be like a play at the plate. I think there was one in Arizona where it was just like, okay, we're doing a double review guys. This is like, pull up th these angles, um, send out these things. Okay, we got a confirmed out at the plate, game's over. There was no catcher's interference. You kind of get a sense of the process of what goes through that. Um, so, and I think the, the for in terms of pressure, another thing I want to mention is there's a team about five of us on the call at a time. And let's say there's 15 games going on. Sometimes there are 20 this year, actually, because of all the double headers. It was just nuts. Um, 20 games in a day. Um, if there's three replays going on at the same time and just in different ballparks, you're just moving nonstop. Like, okay, I got to get this to this, this team. Got to get this to this guy. Like, it can get a little bit hectic. So this year was unique in that sense because there were so many makeup games and just like double games on double days. Um, I guess those would be like the couple that I, I can point out off the top of my head. Awesome. Uh, appreciate you answering that one. Kind of just going off that question there, Josh. Um, was there a most memorable call or event that happened while you were working with MLB Replay? Yeah, maybe it's a little bit personal, but I think I think one of the games that I worked or one of the nights that I worked, it came down to like a Dodgers Giants game in like the, like the bot. It was like a crazy game. I don't know if, if you guys can recall it off the top of your heads. I'm a big Giants fan and it's always been nice like at the end of the, the day when just like the Angels and the Giants are playing and you can kind of like sit back and relax a little bit more than when earlier in the day, like the five o'clock, six o'clock range, like you have to be locked in um, because if you, if you look away, you'll miss something. Um, and, and ultimately, I think the biggest memory that I have is we were doing a couple of replays, which is a chaotic game, but uh, being able to wrap up the night with, like I think it was a Donovan Solano walk-off home run. I was just like, <laughs> to all the other fans out there, because there was a Philly fan on the line, there's a Yankee fan on the line. I was like, Giants are going to the playoffs. Obviously they didn't end up making the playoffs, right? But it was just a fun yeah. moment where like, yeah. you realize like working in sports is very rewarding. Like we had a long day, right? And it just kind of circumstances change. Obviously the Giants, it, they didn't win every single night and it wasn't always glorious. But I think in terms of memories, the first day was obviously a great one. And then that night, I just remembered it was a lot of fun working that game. I think there was a couple of replays earlier in the game. But as you know, like teams only have a certain amount of challenges. So once the challenges were out, you can kind of sit back a little bit more and, and get paid through the rest of the shift, which is pretty nice. Um, and so that was that was definitely one that stands out. Next question. Uh, what advice would you give to people who are like looking to get into the MLB? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. I think as a whole, and, and I think during this time in particular, as long as COVID is, is here, there's just so much uncertainty with regards to the sport industry as a whole. Um, and baseball is no exception to that, obviously. I think a lot of teams are trying to cut payroll. And this, is, this isn't just like for the intern role. It's also a lot of their full-time staff and part-time employees obviously can't work game days during, um, you know, when there's no fans in the stadium. So it, it is a tough time now. And my biggest thing, I, I think it might be a little bit cliche is don't limit yourself or like, I think you can have like a big goal in mind, but you should also keep an open mind. Like if I had just applied to baseball ops roles with data science, I never would have gotten this position. Or like as a whole, even if there's like a public relations rule, something that I like don't really, I've had some experience with in the past, but I don't want to do like full time. You know, maybe that's the opportunity to get yourself in the door. I think Theo Epstein with the with the Cubs as a whole, or the Red Sox, sorry. Um, he was originally like a, a public relations intern because they had a position there. Um, and being able to just kind of get your foot in the door, show what you can do once your foot is in the door. Um, it doesn't have to be the perfect position, cookie cutter, if that makes sense. So obviously you want to apply to the, the, the things that interest you. You don't want to just apply blindly to things that you just wouldn't consider doing. Um, but I'd say don't limit yourself and, and, you know, don't be afraid to just message people or email people blindly. I mean, I know this is a kind of a weird time with the holiday season and, and, you know, in particular with COVID, there's a lot of uncertainty. Um, but 
you know, the informational interviews, just message someone on LinkedIn, hey, I came across your profile, I love what you do, um, would love to just chat for 15 minutes, you know, sometime in your future. I've done that a thousand times, I think Nick's done that a thousand yes. times, I'm sure you guys have all, all done that in the past, so, um, you know, you're not going to get a hundred yeses, but even if you get five responses, that's, that's five more than if you hadn't tried, so um, I guess that would be my two cents for the folks out there who want to work in sports or in baseball in particular. Yep, uh, definitely, Josh. I can definitely remember all the Trelini quotes about networking <laughs> in our in our first class in grad school. So uh, appreciate you sharing that. Uh, it's kind of a little bit different question here. Um, one of our last questions we're going to ask you. Um, you talk a little bit about the future of ML Replay. What do you think is next? And also, kind of going along free play, what's your view on robotic ums? Could we see them in MLB recently? <laughs> How do you think that'll affect uh, replay? And uh, go ahead here, Josh. Yeah, well, I think to, to answer the last question, a lot of part the robot ums is is really interesting because. Even when the robot, like the, the the test runs and like different like yeah. winter ball leagues, independent leagues, it, it yeah. hasn't been favorable. I think like I've seen yeah. like a bunch of like viral clips. Maybe it's just a few, right? Yeah. Viral clips where like there's a strike call and like you know, the ball's basing the dirt, but there was just <laughs> I don't know. Like it, it, it's an interesting phenomenon. I think I think the human element, right, as a whole, is unfortunately part like for better or worse, it's part of the game. It's part of basketball. Right. It's part of football and and replay as a whole and VAR for soccer, obviously yeah. too. It's meant to get the calls right. But at a certain point, replay was was also designated like to a certain limit. Now with baseball, I think one of the things I can talk about briefly is was replay meant for like the moment on like when a guy steals second base, he comes off the bat for like a split second, right? <laughs> After he slides past the bag and like the glove is still technically on like his shoe. Is it like like was it was it made for that or was it made for like the bang bang like play like before he even get gets in, right? Because I think I think like from the, the human eye, right? Whether it's like two feet in bounds in football or football or like a tag play at second base like it's tough to see and replay should get it right most of the time but for a play like in baseball you you know you want to find the balance between getting the call right and not like i don't know it, it, it's it's tough to like really like use replay for that purpose if that makes sense so as a whole i think it's making it as efficient as possible kind of what i said at the beginning right you're gonna get some a lot of calls wrong on the field by the human eye um and replay is meant to you know clear some of those up um but for the ones that like take four to five minutes to review that, you know, seemingly were obvious or like kind of like interfere with like the pace of play. And like, I think it annoys pitchers and it annoys the hitters, all that stuff. Right. It annoys the fans. I mean, it, it, there's a, to a certain extent, you want to be able to kind of keep the game going and, and, and all that. So um, from a, from a moving the game forward, it's maximizing efficiency, maybe having a monitor on the field. I think this year was a little bit different also with Toronto playing in Buffalo. We didn't have the camera set up for that. So there was a whole circumstance there where you had to kind of be careful with replays in, in Toronto. Um, and then also it's the intersection of data and video. I mean, video data as a whole, we're collecting, I don't know, I think MLB teams are collecting like seven terabytes of data per game. And it's, it's really expansive as, as a whole whether it's in replay ops or team operations. It's it's awesome to see, it's it's really exciting. Um, a lot of technologies I am not familiar with, but I really wanna get familiar with. So um, Rapsado, Edratronic Cameras, and Trevor Bauer is kind of leading the, the 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 players like renaissance in, in that realm. So um, there's a lot of really cool things happening across the game and in replay as a whole. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes as a whole. Yeah, definitely. Um, last question for you. What's the best way to connect with you, whether it's social media, email, anything like that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm, I'm on Twitter at Josh Cal 2020. Um, it's kind of ironic because I was, I 2020 was originally supposed to be like 2020 vision. I've always said 2020 vision. I think it's like, like a cliche, like you want a 2020 vision. I was also a Cal <laughs> class of 2020 graduate. Um, and obviously the year 2020 has been 
suboptimal for a lot of us. <laughs> um, but my Twitter handle is, as I said, Josh C A L two zero two zero. You can find me there. I'm pretty active there. I'm also on LinkedIn. Happy to connect with any folks that I don't want to talk talk like baseball as a whole, job opportunities, anything really. Um, or just want to talk about you know replay ops as a whole. Um, I guess those are the primary two. Um, really appreciate both of you taking the time to host me um, and looking forward to, to listening into your future endeavors on this podcast. <laughs> yep. Really do appreciate around Josh. Uh, you, like I said, you were our first guest here. I think it went pretty well for the Three Bagger podcast with our uh, first guest. I appreciate you taking your time for this interview, Josh, and uh, look forward to seeing you in class next week. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks, Let's Josh. Go. Appreciate Can't the time, man. Cool. Thanks, Evan. Thanks, Nick. All right, guys, a big thanks to Josh Yoon for that interview. Uh, If you want to, you know, connect with Josh or talk to him a little bit more, uh, you can follow him on his LinkedIn, Josh Yoon, or um, you can follow him on Twitter at JoshCal2020. So we're going to get into our final segment of the podcast here. Uh, We're going to stray away from baseball a little bit and go to a uh, college bowl segment. Uh, And I'm going to kick it over to Nick to introduce it. Yeah, sure. No problem, Evan. Um, well, this isn't necessarily baseball, it is sports biz, and that is the second bag of three bagger sports biz that we do want to talk about this a little bit. So basically what we're doing here is we're going to talk a little bit about the uh, the prizes of all the college players they get when they're participating in the bowls. Well, we know the big thing in, uh, in college sports is the athletes can't get paid. They do get some pretty cool prizes for participating in the various bowls that go on during this time of year. I know last year when I uh, interned with the Red Box Bowl, all the uh, participants of both uh, Cal and Illinois, the two teams I've stayed, they all got Nintendo Switch lights. They all got like gooder sunglasses. They all got Herschel backpacks. They got a really cool water bottle. And they also got a watch too. So they have some pretty cool, pretty cool prizes. So uh, what we're going to do here is we're actually going to go ahead and uh, rank what we believe the uh, top 12 prizes from this bowl season are. So we'll go ahead and uh, read off the list of what the what the different bowls and what they're giving out. And then we'll go ahead one by one and eliminate them until there's only one bowl game left. All right. So let's bowl go. Bowl champion. Bowl champion of, of the prize giving. All right. I'll go ahead and uh, start reading off. The, we have a list of 12 here. I'll go ahead and start reading off the list so you can uh, follow along and play at home. Um, so the first one is the uh, top tropical smoothie uh, cafe Frisco bowl. Um, basically mm-hmm. uh, this bowl takes place in Frisco, Texas. Each uh, player gets a Herschel backpack, a commemorative uh, football coin, and a uh, lapel pin in the Montgomery Bowl. Uh, every player gets a beanie, a backpack, and a big game autographed football. Ooh, that big game football. <laughs> in the uh, Lending Tree Bowl, this takes, takes place in Mobile, Alabama. They get a Maui Jim uh, sunglasses, a Nixon watch, a wireless earbuds, a Hudson Cole duffel bag. All right. In the not too, uh, bad. Gar- yeah, not too bad. In the Guarantee Rate Bowl, uh, this takes place in Phoenix. They get a was it a a Thurngun Pro Lululemon uh, Lululemon 22L Cruiser backpack and a 26 ounce ice shaker bottle. The All Cure right. Bowl, um, they get a uh, $400 Amazon gift card, a watch, and a backpack. Uh, looking here at the uh, Valero Alamo Bowl uh, taking place in San Antonio. They get a uh, $515 Amazon gift card, a mini helmet, and a and a team panoramic photo in the um, Amazon Liberty Bowl taking place in Memphis. Um, players get a Bass Pro Shop gift card, a Philips soundbar, Bluetooth speaker, Nike athletic shoes, sports sandals, sunglasses, backpack, and a commemorative football. It's definitely that's, a, that's a pretty loaded prize pack right there. <laughs> that's, that's a pretty loaded haul right there. 
Um, in the Arizona Bowl taking place in Tucson, they get a BB uh, Tech uh, waterproof uh, speaker and wire and wireless earbuds, a Lululemon New Crew backpack, a Hudson Cole stainless steel uh, koozie set. All right, didn't know koozies were stainless steel. Uh, <laughs> next one we got here, we got the uh, Chick Fil A Peach Bowl taking place in Atlanta. Uh, this uh, the price pack includes a three hundred ninety dollars Mastercard gift card presented uh, by uh, University Fan Cards, a fossil watch, and a commemorative football. Next in the uh, back to Orlando at the uh, Citrus Bowl, we have the uh, they get a four hundred dollars Amazon gift card, a watch, and a backpack. Uh, last two here, uh, we have the Tax Slayer Bowl taking place in Jacksonville. Uh, here they get a JBL uh, noise canceling headphones. Uh, and a Bluetooth speaker inside a custom box, Maui Gym sunglasses with fitting, a fossil watch and a backpack, and last but not, and last but definitely not least here in the uh, PlayStation Fiesta Bowl, all players get a PS5 and a Lululemon cruiser backpack all right um, i'll kick it off with you evan go ahead and eliminate one of these bowl games all right i think it's gonna have to be one of the top ones i i think the tropical smoothie cafe frisco bowl is gonna have to go i mean a lapel <laughs> pin commemorative football and, and a coin not, and a backpack not, i mean not, not no, a big just, pin, just not, get rid of it <laughs> not a big pin guy evan all right not, i mean I'll take the pin, but with the other stuff on the board, there's yeah, a yeah, lot there's, more value there, to, there's definitely, uh, to be spread around here. <laughs> there's definitely some loaded, there's definitely some loaded ones uh, in yeah. this uh, bowl season. So, so we'll, we'll get ahead. rid of the Tropical Smoothie Cafe Frisco Bowl. We'll go ahead and take that one off. Uh, let's see here. Uh, my turn to go around here, just looking at it. I'm going to use the same logic, go with one of the early bowls here. Uh, also, something I do want to consider while we are focused on prizes, I also want to focus on location here. Um, I think I'm going to have to get rid of the Lending Tree Bowl here, you know? Like, I don't know if I really want to play in Mobile, Alabama. I think there's better yeah. locations on this board. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, take off. Well, you do get sunglasses. The watch is nice. The Marlis earbuds. I think some other packages also include those items, and you get some better locations. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, take off the Lending Tree Bowl here. All right. Goodbye, Lending Tree Bowl. So we'll go back to me. Uh, I'm also going to have to stay with the early bulls here. I think Montgomery's got to go. I don't really want to play in Montgomery, Alabama, like you said, <laughs> with all the other nice locations um, here. Getting a beanie, a backpack, and a big game autograph football. I don't think there's really any big teams playing in the Montgomery Bulls. So we're going to go ahead and get rid of that one uh, yeah, real uh, quick. Goodbye, some, Montgomery Bowl. There's some uh, early Alabama slander here on the uh, on the bowl segment. <laughs> I'm just saying, if you got Orlando, Florida, we we went to school in Tampa. I mean, we know how I mean, nice I mean, Orlando I, is. If you yeah, got definitely. Orlando on the board, you're not going to go to Alabama. So uh, we so far we got the, all the early bowls have pretty much been eliminated by so far. So let's go ahead. I think I think now it starts to get a little tougher. There's some uh, yeah. There's so there's some good bowls uh, left here. Let me go ahead and look. See if there's anything I I think I may want to eliminate here. That's based on looking at it. You know, I, I think I may have to go with a bit of an upset of what I'm eliminate here. Um, I think I'm gonna have to eliminate the uh, citrus bowl. While you do get the four hundred dollar uh, Amazon gift card, there's, there's really not, not much, much after that. There's not much else, you know. Um, I think there's also another Orlando Bowl here, so I'm gonna go ahead and eliminate the uh, the camping roll. I think it's a little early, maybe a little early for it, but um, I'm gonna eliminate it here, Evan. All right, goodbye Citrus Bowl. Let's see what's left on the board here. Oh wait, you eliminated the camping world. Yes, bowl. I eliminated the camping world bowl. The, the Cure Bowl in Orlando is still available. I think it's I think it's actually maybe actually be the same. I actually think it's the same prize too, interestingly enough. I Both was going to go and eliminate that one as well, the Cure Bowl. I, yeah, I mean, it's $400 on Amazon. That's, you know, 
not yeah. too bad, but you only get the uh, watch and the backpack with it. And like you said, there's other yeah. packages that also contain that. So we'll eliminate that bowl. It's interesting because like, I was basically the same prizes too with the uh, last bowl we eliminated. All yeah, right. that's interesting. All right, so now 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 it's now it's starting to get tough. We still yeah, now it's tough. Of, down to the now, wire. We, we, we still got a lot of bowls here on the board. Uh, let's see here. Um, I, I'll just go straight down the list right after it. I'll eliminate the cheese bowl, you know? I, I really don't think a 26-ounce ice shaker is going to do it for me. It, it, it sounds cool, but, you know, there, there are some cooler prizes up there. I, I kind of agree with that. I mean, most of the stuff in there is already contained in some of these other bowls, just like most of the stuff we're saying here. So we'll get rid of that. Now we're down to the big hitters here. These bowls are all pretty lush with um, prizes. Uh, let's uh, get rid of the... No, it's tough, man. It's tough. It's really tough. It's going to be tough, but we're going to get rid of the Tax Slayer Bowl. Uh, oh, that right. gives you all the right. noise-canceling headphones, the Bluetooth speaker. Wow, um, really? With the customized box and the Fossil Watch in the backpack. I'm, I'm going to get it out of here. Wow, wow, man. Like, don't know if I, like, <laughs> I, I, I get the call, but, like, I think I think while it may not be the greatest money value, you get the customized box, which I think is it is in keepsake. I, I'm, yeah, I'm, okay, I guess okay. so, but I'd rather have the money so I could go and just buy that stuff anyway. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll see what type of guy Evan is here, but all right. <laughs> okay, let's uh, see what we got here. We have looks like we got five bowls left here. The uh, over recap what we have left. We have the Alamo Bowl, the Liberty Bowl, the Arizona Bowl, the Peach Bowl, and the Fiesta Bowl are all lots of prizes in these ones. Lots of prizes, lots of value. All right, let's see what we got left um, here. I'm gonna go ahead and eliminate the uh, Peach Bowl here. Uh, just based on the ones that have money left, this one's only three ninety uh, compared to another one that has a gift card left. So I'm just based on the. Um, on the uh, money value, I'm going to go ahead and eliminate the uh, Peach Bowl. Goodbye, Peach Bowl. All right, I got my next one already. I should have eliminated Ooh. it before I eliminated the uh, last one. We're going to get yeah. rid of the Valero Alamo Bowl. You get $515 to Amazon, but the only other things are a panoramic photo and a mini helmet. So panoramic that should have been eliminated point, before the last one I eliminated. But, I mean, regardless, yeah. they're both eliminated anyway. So All right, I'll that leaves us with here. three left. Three left. All right, let's see what we got here. We, we got some pretty... Pretty heavy hitters out here. Um, let's see what we got that we're gonna eliminate. I'm gonna go ahead and um, I'm gonna go ahead and eliminate the Arizona Bowl with the uh, Bluetooth speaker and the earbuds. There's some really cool prizes, especially for a bowl that may not be like up there. It's pretty cool prizes in the Arizona Bowl, but I'm gonna go ahead and eliminate that one. All right, well that leaves me with the choice of which one is crowned the champion now, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, you 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 could shock the world here, Evan, if you really want to. I could shock the world, but I don't think I'm going to. Um, the ones that are left are the AutoZone Liberty Bowl. So this is the one where you get the Bass Pro Shop gift card. You get the sound bar and the Bluetooth speaker. You get athletic shoes. You get sports sandals, sunglasses, backpack, and a commemorative football. Um, I don't think the value of any of that exceeds <laughs> the PlayStation Fiesta Bowl, where you're going to get a Lululemon Cruiser backpack and a PlayStation 5. So yep. we're going to have to eliminate the AutoZone Liberty Bowl. I had a feeling that this is what was going to end up happening. The yeah. PlayStation Fiesta Bowl being crowned the champion. I'll take the PS5 over mostly anything in there. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Considering just how rare they are. And I know I've seen, I've seen all the viral videos of people trying to get a PS5 yep. and they can't. And now they're just giving away like... 300 of them at this bowl game yep. so, while i want some kind of chaos in this game i i think i agree with you here that the playstation bowl is the clear winner here congrats to fiesta bowl in being named the best bowl gift by the three bagger podcasts you are the 
proud crown champion of the three bagger podcast all right so that's gonna do us for uh for us here at the three bagger podcast i appreciate you guys listening to us i know this may be a little longer episode than we're used to but i feel we had some good content in here for uh, something for everybody to listen to um if you aren't already make sure you subscribe to us this is the best way to uh make sure you get all the um, new information about the podcast anytime an episode drops you will be notified if you subscribe either on apple or spotify so make sure you do that make sure you also uh, leave us a rating too this really helps out the podcast and it's free five stars make sure you do that next time you uh, listen also uh, just going off that we are available on apple spotify anchor google wherever you get your podcasts we are there uh, one quick note about our twitch stream we currently have an article up to kind of summarizing what we did with our uh, first live twitch stream kind of talking about the kbo and the and the uh, nippon professional baseball league team we uh, put in we both we put both a korean league and a japanese league team in the mlb to see how they did you can go read up on that on our uh, website uh, the three bagger pod uh, website there's also a link to it on our twitter at three bagger pod also at three bagger pod on instagram anything else you want to close out here evan um so i believe the second half of that twitch stream from the all-star break until the end of the first season will be on monday we'll night we'll go ahead and notify everybody um, on twitter uh that what we're going to live stream and then we'll cut up so you can watch it later on youtube and like with our first stream we'll go ahead and post us um an article recapping uh, what happened so uh all right guys thank you for listening as always always go to other people's funerals otherwise they won't come to yours thanks for listening and happy new year's everyone